HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lager. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 this is Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's another one of our special January 20th, 2015, beginning of the year shows. We've got uh, one of our favorite legends, Matthias Needhart of Be United, who's joined us. We're going to talk a lot about how he got started importing beer, some of the special things that he's doing, and uh, also finish up talking about beer distillates. AKA Spirit. So, uh, thanks to our sponsor, uh, Union Beer Distributors, uh, and they have a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together, distributing a lot of the great beers that we talk about on the show. If you're interested in uh, following on Twitter, Maggie's there at, at beer underscore sessions, and uh, she'll be tweeting live throughout the show. So, we've got a great panel tonight. Uh, I'm going to give a little backstory. So, Matthias Needhart uh, was one of the first importers of specialty beers that, that we got to know in the 90s. But he's, he's also got this family tree of some really cool guys that work for him. There's a bar in Brooklyn called uh, The Diamond. Dave Pollock was one of the Be United reps. Our good buddy Justin Phillips was with us, uh, was a rep for a long time, and he had a, a great name with the Beer Table and now Beer Table to Go. So it, it, it's, it's Mateus is one of those guys, and you look at certain chefs like Danielle, you know, they always say, oh, where are his chefs working now? Well, they're all the top chefs in America. Well, it seems like Mateus has cultivated some really great, great beer people. And he's got Michael Opolensky. Who's, who's a good buddy, who's one of his, his New York City reps now. And uh, it's, it's been a great experience, you know, knowing Mateus and in your Be United crew. So, Mateus, welcome to the show. And uh, give us a little background on your philosophy of, of, of how you've built these great teams and, uh, you know, teams of, of beers that you import, as well as these great, great young men that have worked for you. Um, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, it's Mateus. Um, we actually started 20 years ago, 1995. Um, like this and um, from the beginning and nothing really has changed and this will hopefully stay with us for the rest of 
our lives is uh, our company has always been um, about the flavors and aromas. We were only interested in, and we started with beer um, in, in in those beers. Um, that uh, exhibited the, the, the most complex flavors and aromas of their respective styles. Um, the late Michael Jackson was for us um, a huge, huge um, guidance. Um, everybody in our company had to read his books to 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 get to know each brewery, um, uh, his thinking or the thinking about flavors and aromas, um, and and so very often. Um, I talked to him um, about his uh, experience, his um, thinking about um, wonderful beers, and and so he, for many many years, um, he was our guide uh, uh, mentally and, con- and conceptually. Um, we over the time ta- over time we realized that what what happened or what what's happening in the world of beer um, also happens in in other um, alcoholic al- alcoholic beverage segments the world of ciders or so we entered that world um, two years later like 1997 or so um, same thing there there is a segment up there that is very very unique because it's it it um, these ciders exhibit incredible flavors and aromas um, then the world of meat, um, honey fermenting beverages. Uh, so <clears throat> we entered that world, 1998, very, very early. Same thing, there are meats out there um, that are absolutely fantastic in terms of very complex flavors, complex aromas. And and so that's the concept of Be United. And when we were able to, to start hiring our first people, um, we have, I think, a very strange interviewing process we uh, the, the, the resume the, the history of the person doesn't really matter to us um, there are two things of importance to us one is we we don't really hire from inside the industry we want to hire <clears throat> people that have n- no experience in the inside the industry um, gives us an opportunity to 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 shape everybody in our company a certain way um, shape their thinking in a certain way. And then in our interview is, the big part in our interview is um, they're exposed to blind tastings. Um, it's not about figuring out the brand or the brew. It's completely irrelevant. It's, it's just we want to test them on their ability to, 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 to taste flavors and aromas and to be able to communicate those complex flavors and aromas uh, to us. And that means to our customers, to consumers, to everybody. That's great. I mean, Michael, you, you've been a rep for a few years, and uh, you've also been uh, the Italian specialist as well. Tell us a little bit about the portfolio that you represent and what it's been like working with Matthias. It's been uh, a real honor. Uh, I, uh, in the industry, Be United, as far as an importing portfolio goes, I think is uh, but one of the highest respected, and uh, without a doubt. Um. Oh, this is a tough question, especially with the boss in there. <laughs> well, tell me about the portfolio, because you're this crazy guy. I mean, this is what I love. It's, you, you you went to school in Italy, and, and now you're representing Italian beers. and Yeah, that's how I found out yeah. about it originally. I, I graduated from a school in Italy and uh, happened to hear that uh, Justin, in fact, was leaving uh, Be United to open Beer Table, and there was an opening position. And uh, at the time, I was becoming very passionate about beer. Obviously, I hadn't worked at all in the – I hadn't worked at all. Forget the industry, but uh, – this was my first uh, employment opportunity outside of school. Um, so that's that's what first drew me to it. I was uh, working on the side at Baladin while still in school. I then discovered that Be United was representing these Italian beers. Those were the craft beers that I was most familiar with. And uh, 
and therefore was really impressed by that portfolio. And then as I began to dig deeper and read some Michael Jackson books and discover um, some more traditional breweries outside of Italy, um, Germany especially, uh, it became even more impressive, the, the portfolio that Bionetted had been building. And Matthias, how did you, how did you grow... Your, your portfolio. I mean, that's it's, it's mind-boggling to me that you have so many great beers from, from how many countries? You know, I know Belgium, Germany, Italy, England, France. Uh, how, how, how did you do that? You know, it's amazing. And give us, tell us more about how you, how you went about that, because I think you have a very unique um, very portfolio, you know? Well, in 1995, when we started, it was just basically me and... and um, being German, obviously, I, I started to, to, to talk to, to those German breweries that are considered um, world-class um, um, breweries in their, in, in their category, like Schneider, like Echtschlengel and the Smoked Beer. And, and, and being German helped me, but being German in some, time, in some instances didn't really help me. Um, um, but again, that's how I started. And then when we... Uh, couple of years later when we had the, the first opportunity to hire somebody um, and we continued to do that everyone in our company every salesperson is heavily involved in that process every person in our company um, is is assigned a specific um, research project that can be um, finding a um, exploring a new country that can be exploring a new category that can be um, exploring um, things that are going on in certain parts of the world and uh, each person is uh, is assigned such a project and most of for, for the most part each person picks uh, in our company picks their own uh, research project and and each one is uh, is uh, accountable to the entire team of Bio United International not not to me to everybody and whenever we meet like three times a year uh, we all come together um, everybody reports on 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 um, what the, what's going on 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 uh, in, in their in, in their research and 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 um, sometimes things come to fruition um, sometimes um, we it's a dead end. Sometimes it's a very, very long-term thing that will not come to fruition until many years later. And that basically keeps the, you know, the innovation spirit um, going in our company. It's a big, big part of what we are doing. It's a big, big part of our thinking. I also know that when you're an importer or distributor, uh, the, the public doesn't always know, you know, recognize who's behind all these brands. But um, I feel like as an industry person, I feel like people really say, oh, Be United, that represents quality. I mean, Justin, when, when you started working there, you, you've continued in your own establishment. You always carry a lot of Be United beers. What does Be United mean to you when you see it on a label? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's already been uh, pretty clearly defined. It, it, it re represents a huge editing process and careful tasting of a, of a group and a lot of research and care beyond, behind selecting everything that has gone into it. And uh, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I believe in. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers, Let. You brought some great beers in, too, Matthias. Matthias, so what did you uh, bring for us, the first beer? Um, and Michael will, uh, will be able to, to explain in detail. Sure. That's from Italy, from one of our great young Italian breweries, Del Ducato, Giovanni Campai, an extraordinary brewmaster. He's Basel Martina. Yep. Um, so it's from uh, the brewery Birificio Del Ducato. They're out of um, just outside of Parma. Um, Giovanni Campari, as Matthias mentioned, is the, the brewmaster there. Um, in my opinion, uh, one of the most talented Italian brewers uh, brewing right now. 
Um, the Birsa Mattina is not entirely, though, brewed in Italy. It is a, um, a blend project between their brewery in Italy and the Eau de Birsa brewery in uh, Belgium. So uh, a collaboration between these two. Uh, Giovanni has uh, worked out with Eau de Birsa to get their 18-month-old Lambic. It ships down to, to Italy. Uh, they blend in about 10% Lambic with uh, 90% of uh uh, Giovanni's Nova Mattina, which is uh, their saison, um, a quite dry saison brewed with a long list of spices. Um, if I can get them all, I think it's uh, ginger, licorice, chamomile, coriander, uh, green peppercorn, pink peppercorn, and I might be missing one, but I'm pretty sure I nailed them all. Um, once blended, the, it uh, ages in bottle after fermentation process, obviously, for 12 months, and then they release it. So we sell it usually in 750s. We were really lucky this year to also get a draft shipment of it. So we have a few kegs floating around the country. Um, so it, it'll be appearing on draft walls. Uh, I, it's already up on a few walls now. It's a pretty recent arrival, though. So it'll be popping up in the next few months on certain uh, beer bars around the country. It's pretty great. You know, Every time I, I, I taste with you guys, it, th- there's so many beers that you have. And, and Zach Kenny, who's uh, one of our homebrewers, New York City Homebrewers Guild, He's an expert taster. You're, he leads the beer judge certification program. So, what do you think of the, of this special blend? Um, I think it's um, I think it's delicious. It's uh, it's dry. It's um, it's tart. It's not overwhelmingly sour. Um, nice sort of like medium carbonation. Very clear, pale straw. Like it's it's looks great. Smells great. You know, um, Bravo Italia. You know, it's delicious. <laughs> Mateus, how do you taste beer? I mean, there's guys like Zach who are home brewers. You know, they've, they've studied how to judge beer. What, what, what approach do you take when you're tasting a beer? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I, I, when, when we have our sales meeting, or even outside, usually when, um, um, I wait until everybody's together in our company to, to taste brains. But sometimes we have to hurry up or so and cannot afford to do that. And so whoever is around us so, um uh, we gather and, and taste, and I, 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 I believe I'm the weakest uh, link in, in, in that in, in, in our company as far as that is concerned. Um, but I, uh, it's for me the overall the, what what I'm looking for is the um, overall balance um, that has got to 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 be pleasing to me. Um, I. Um, Another thing that drives me quite a bit is um, because we somehow have to be marked relevant too, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm very, very open to things that are, that taste very weird, that are very unusual, that are, that I might not have tasted before. Um, give you an example, I'm... Uh, I'm not high, so high when we taste IPAs these days because there are so many fantastic IPAs out there, and 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 so I'm not too in, into that. Not to say that these are not great; no, they're wonderful. But I'm just not so much into it. But when I taste something that is very very unusual, where people when we taste um, sometimes very often they say this is this is really strange, this is weird. What the hell is it? This this um, this um, attracts my attention quite a bit. It's um, it's always fun the, the sampling portions of sales meetings, but it can also be a challenge for this reason. You have all this stuff on the table. Sometimes we'll taste 
items like a, a really excellent beer like take Matthias's example like an IPA the beer might have been brewed great it's from overseas but then you also have to consider there are so many great IPAs brewed in the United States especially if the approach of the IPA is an American one with a big hop um, nose and finish and a very piney taste so you have to ask the question even though it's a great beer is it something really worth bringing into the country because there's already so many great IPAs here and then on the other side of the coin tasting something really unique and crazy but is it well brewed is it too crazy so teetering on this edge of making sure you know not to bring something that's necessarily already here but something that might just be uh for sure for sure okay talking about rock beers now jumping around i I had on facebook today a friend said oh i i just wish there was a bar i could go into and and have a rock beer on draft and he said oh at jimmy's number 43 sometimes they have that but they always rotate so how how did you end up being this the, like this main importer identified with rock beers like act schlenkler oh, for me this is very very easy to 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 answer this is one of the classic breweries i mean when you when you when you speak to michael jackson um of it's this was one of the breweries he he always mentioned um because it's the smoke beer is obviously a very small um, brewing segment, but there is basically only one brewery um, uh, historically that was the, that is the classic one, and that's the Echtschlenkel in Bamberg, um, and and um, they are wonderful, wonderful small brewery, and and. Um, some time ago, we 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 brought started to bring it in in bottles. Their Merzen, which is the classic example, Michael Jackson said, if you if you dist, if you had an opportunity to distill Echtschlenkel Merzen, um, and 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 age it, this would be an awesome whiskey. Hmm. Uh, he also said Echtschlenkel Hallis, um if 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 or he also said about Echtschlenkel Merzen or so, if you if you take away the smokiness of the Echtschlenkel Merzen, which they had never done, so they have never really brewed the Merzen without the hundred percent smoked barley malt. He said, if you take away, if you used their recipe not, and not the smoked barley malt, this would be probably the best Merzen in the world. Um, and so it was very easy to identify, to speak to them, and they are just wonderful, small, uh, wonderful people, and. Um, they started over 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 the past twenty years. They started to to become innovate, innovative within their concept of smoked beer. So they do not want to go into the world of sour beers. They do not want to go into the world of IPA. So nothing like this. They do not want to go outside the German purity law. But inside their concept, they are extremely innovative, and we love that. And the one that is on the water in our ten container arriving here in about uh, ten days or so is their their fasten beer, their land beers, their Echtschlenkle uh, land. Beer, it's only available uh, from the um, for the period of Lent from Ash Wednesday, which is I believe February 18th yes, through Easter Sunday, <laughs> sometime in early April or so. And it's uh, it's 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 a smoked beer, but only for instance 50% of the of the the barley malt is smoked. Uh, it's unfiltered. It has it's it's quite different from the actual Merzen from the smoked beer, um, and and um, really absolutely exciting about it. Three years ago, four years ago, he created a completely new smoked beer based on um, oak instead of beech, beech wood. Um, historically, they have always used beech wood to to uh, to kiln their their barley malt. Um, 
and Matthias and I, we, we are in touch quite often. Um, and so he knows that we are very innovative. And, and he said he wanted to do that. He wanted to become that too. And at one time, he talked to his brewmaster that why don't we use oak, oak wood instead of beech wood to kill our, our, our barley, barley grain. They have a, their own malting um, unit in, in the brewery. And their theory was that it will not change at all. There is, uh, it will not change the outcome. God, he called me after they tasted it, after it came out the kiln and the brewing, and, and they brewed it, and said, "Were we dead wrong? It's completely different." And and so the actual English oak smoke um, was—it's a double bog—was uh, born, and we have it in bottles. We have it in on draft every once in a while, and and uh, so it's one of our really favorite breweries. It's one of the beers that the, the monks can drink that. For Lent and not eat food. Right? <laughs> yeah. Doppelbach, that's right? The, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. the inspiration. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Today's break song called Jump Rope by the Gingerlies. This is Beer Sessions Radio. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We have a special guest, Matthias Niethart from Be United, and we're talking about uh, smoked beers, rock beers. Zach Kenny from New York City Homebrewers. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good, Jimmy. Thanks for having me here, dude. So I was just we're tasting the rock beers. What did you say about that? I was just saying that um, uh, I recently homebrewed a, a smoked Hellas. Um, inspired by the Schlenkerla Helles, which is one of my all-time favorite beers. I think you can drink it year-round. It baffles me that they don't actually use smoked malt in that beer. That it's just their yeast and their their system that has been. You know, is, is that true, Matthias? Yeah, it's absolutely true. It uh, it's it's a hundred percent non-smoked uh, malt, unsmoked malt, or not smoked malt. Um, and said um, said said correctly. It's it's impacted by the yeast. The mm-hmm. yeast over the many many years yeah. or so has taken on this kind of smoky character, and it's the equipment itself. Just imagine, mm-hmm. uh, you have a coffee grinder, right? And you 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 grind your um, coffee in the morning. Just imagine you use a spiced coffee, um, beet almond, like an almond or so, and you use it all the time. Then all of a sudden you use a kind of non-spiced coffee and you use the same machine and you grind it you will end up with um, almond character in there and that's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing um, that happens in, in the actual angle or so using the same equipment um, um, impacts on, on, on the smokiness yeah I loved it even my wife who's not really a smoked beer fan she loves the Hellas and, and she loved that, that, that homebrew so I was like yeah I win Good I love that beer too I remember a few years ago, you, 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 you were really generous, and you brought over uh, both the Schlenkerla and the Schneider uh, chefs, mm-hmm. and you did some dinners in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. That was a really special experience. So what, what brought about that? It, it's all about, for our company, again, it's all about flavors and aromas, and there's, there's much more to it, um, and, and so, so more. 
many more things that are part of that, especially with, uh, with some of these breweries. Schneider has their own um, brew pub, the Weiser Beer, uh, Beer House. Um, they have one in, in, in Kelheim. They have their wonderful Weiser, uh, Weiser Brauhaus in Munich. So historically, these were the wheat beer places where the royal family brewed their wheat beer. Uh, Matthias Trum has his own uh, brew pub or so where he serves his um, beer on cask or so. Um, has their own food to it and, and, and Uri get the same thing in Düsseldorf. They all have their own um, pub with it, their own, have their own food with it and, and I thought it was a, would be a great idea to bring over their chefs and have them prepare their original food that they pair with their food in their own uh, restaurant or so pub or so and so the chef of Urige was with us, um, the chef of Schneider was came with us um, and, and actually in as well. It was it was a really great. Experience. So we went to Gentleman yeah. uh, was involved and in in Philadelphia a couple of places it was 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 a lot of fun. We did a few events at Jimmy's as well. Yeah. I, I mean That's one right. of the menus it, it was a uh, it was a testicle carpaccio, and they they substituted. You know what they substituted for testicle carpaccio? You got me veal brisket. So. <laughs> that seems so a, little, a little bit of a cheat there. I'm not sure. But it was fun. A little, a little bit of translating how to happen. New York's got no balls, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had veal brisket instead. But um, so I mean, Justin, come on, let's talk because you, 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 he's one of the guys that actually turned me on to your. I mean, years ago I bought the the Einbecker beers in the '90s. Those are some of my first Aventinas. Right. I had many Oktoberfests with those. Yeah, Justin, what, 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 what were some that you used to love selling when, when your old days as a as a B United rep, yeah, I mean the the whole breadth of the portfolio. Of, you know, Matthias mentioned the things beyond the beer uh, as well. I mean, particularly the cider was something that I got really excited about. The Dupont cider, in particular, um, but uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing, all the way to the South African mead, like. I mean, it's a it's a diverse and very interesting group of you, tra- you train things. people well, Matthias. No, I mean, Justin. Uh, going back to Justin, when we when we um, were desperate looking to hire somebody for for the northeast for Massachusetts and 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 Rhode Island or so, and and. Um, Justin um, was interested in that job, and we interviewed him, and he had to go through numerous, I think, blind tasting <laughs> sessions with us. And and uh, but obviously, he's very, very good at at uh, identifying flavors and aromas and communicating that. And obviously, later on in his own place, beer table, so he he uh, he did an unbelievable job. But also another thing that really made him very attractive to our company. Um, he was very open, he's, you know, and you could see it a little bit when you spoke to him. He's he's an entrepreneur. He is um, very independent. Um, he he thinks for himself. And we when we discussed internally, we knew that we would lose him at one time. He's just an entrepreneur. He wants to set up his set out his, uh, and uh, establish his own business. But that doesn't didn't matter to us. We this kind of thinking, this independent thinking, this this uh, entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurial risk taking. This is something that we absolutely need in our company to to push our our inno, in, innovation spirit. Right. Well, cheers. What's the next beer that we have, Michael? We are now tasting the Eventinas Cuvée Barrique uh, from the it's their 2014 uh, Cuvée. It is a blend of the Aventinas and the Aventinas Eisbach, both of which that have been barrel-aged. Um, Matthias, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Aventinas Eisbach has been aged in Chardonnay barrels mm-hmm. and the Aventinas in red wine barrels. Is correct? I, I believe both in French Chardonnay barrels. Okay. I, I believe on uh, the 2014 version. The version before that, that we had in 2013, uh, I think there was uh, um, Pinot Noir involved. Um, 
two things to 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 this creation by Schneider. Um, it's a, it's just a reflection on that that we are, we are, at least we are trying we are trying to push all our breweries into the world of innovation. Uh, otherwise, they we keep telling them the market in the United States is is so competitive, so good. The quality of the American breweries, the, the established one, the new ones, is so incredibly high. If you don't keep innovating, you might be left behind in, in, in the dust or so. And, and Schneider really has taken that to heart, and, and, and they created a, their own barrel aging program. Um, um, in, in the 2014 version, um, they aged the Aventinus and the Aventinus Icebox separately, as Michael said, in, in French Chardonnay barrels for like 12, 14 months, then blended it together and re-fermented it uh, with Schneider yeast. Um, funny story to that one, they called, they called me... 12 or 14 months ago and and said they would not be able to sell this brand in Germany and I said what's wrong with Germany why can't you sell it in Germany Except Germans would not accept it, would not like it they would, they would consider it sour they would consider it infected which in, true, in, in fact it is it's supposed to be infected um, and it's stale, old, and more or less disgusting. And I said, okay, that's great, great news for us because I want everything you have. <laughs> but we do like this beer. It is funny. I, I wanted to ask you about that, you know, because I feel like that, especially with, with there's an impending hop crisis, I feel like that a more American brewer is going to make German-style beers, you know, and, and if anything, there's people in countries like Switzerland and Germany and Italy, they're exporting all their, their special beers to America, you know, how, how do you see all that? I think it's 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 becoming truly global. I think the uh, um, there's no question about it. Um, small young breweries from Europe want want to come to United States, being very much attracted to to the market, to the um, to, to the openness uh, of the U.S. consumer, being willing to try um, and and appreciate. Um, fantastic flavors and aromas but i think it's now working both ways there's a there are a ton of u.s breweries going abroad going into uh sweden into uh, into scandinavia going into uk um going into italy more and more are trying to go into uh, um to go into germany or so what what's hap what has happened in the united states is is happening in other parts of the world uh japan obviously south korea is is uh, at the at the forefront now of of great development so the americans are not just um taking up the the the, the battle here on their home turf now they are they are taking the the, the battle up in in going to these countries and and people love it uh, out there um in in these countries um right now obviously the american style ipas double ipas they they uh, no, nobody in europe or so uh, knows them really well um at least not uh, and, and so it gives the americans a, a great opening into those markets so it's it it's it's becoming global in terms of research development in terms of creativity in terms of competitive marketplaces you know and talk about your, your guys work i want to talk about schneider aventinus after the break but you got another young guy here george who just started so how did you pick him and what special projects is he going to work on because he's been really helpful you know he comes around talks about your beers George, say hi. Come on. Hi, how's it going? He's the next guy. So you're good, but our, our buddy John Lumbaum, you, you expanded quietly to Texas. He moved to Texas. But wh how do you? Wh what about George? Yeah, we uh, John, we 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 moved into Texas a couple of years ago, and we 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 need, we need to support the market. And 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 John John Lumbaum. Um, um, 
who is great. Uh, he said he would like to, to, to take the challenge. He moved to Austin. Um, and so we were uh, put in a position to find somebody to replace him. And, um, and we ran into, into George. I, I, I don't really remember how you contacted us by email or something like this. George, You're, tell us uh, how you found these guys. Well, I, I saw a, a listing for the job um, online, actually, on Be United's website. And I applied. Um, and I, I honestly didn't think that anything would come of it, to be perfectly honest, but something did, and it was amazing. Um, and I thought this is too good to be true. And I went in and I had um, several interviews, uh, three interviews, in fact, and three blind tastings. And then finally, uh, Matthias uh, emailed me back and I so went What did to you United. do before this? Um, I was actually in university in Scotland, uh, at the University of St. Andrews, um, doing my undergrad degree there. Uh, and I worked at bottle shops there uh, from my second year in university. So when I was I was legal to drink in Scotland, I was 18 at the time. So I was helping these bottle shops in St. Andrews sort of select their their beer. Um, essentially, I was curating their selections, I guess. Um, and then I managed one of the shops over a summer, as well as working at a brewery in St. Andrews. Um, sort of whenever I what were the most time. popular beers at, at those bottle shops in Scotland uh, that, well that's a tough question to answer but um, there anything interesting we well we sold a lot of uh, the wild beer company uh, which is a brand that B United actually imports uh, they were very popular as well as Evertown as well which we just started importing um, and German beers were also popular as well um, but uh, yeah we, there was a wide breadth of things really um Although we didn't get a lot of American beer, but that did move as well um, because people love IPAs um, and they always wanted American beer in Scotland, which was quite funny. Um, right. Even though we didn't get much of it, but yeah. Well, I'm really happy to have you know Mateus in with, with with some of his current and, and former you know sales guys, and really respect the portfolio. And we're, we're going to come back and talk more about it in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This one's called Cheney's Got a Gun by Mamarazzi on Beer Sessions Radio. Today's program brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. In 1996, Elknife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. There's always new membership and, and special opportunities. There's host parties coming up, and uh, looking forward to May 21st. It's going to be a big HRN fundraising party. So uh, talking about Union Beer Distributors, we've got some great portfolio. Uh, Be United, Matthias Needart's joining us today. So we're talking about your latest... Uh, latest rep this guy george matthias yeah we, um we just hired him like th- three months ago like started um, early november so i, I remember it obviously quite well when we got his resume so there were a couple of things that that made him very interesting to us one is he studied abroad um that is for us always a very very good sign in terms of um the person being able to fit into our company i'm I do not micromanage. I, I, uh, I leave people out there, and and maybe sometimes they think I, I leave them hanging. But I do not call them. I it, every day, every minute to ask for reports and how is it going or so. So I do not micromanage. So you have got to, to you, you're on your own, and 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 you have to to face challenges, and you have to you have to. You have to deal with that, and and uh, studying abroad, I think, is a great, great sign for me that um, that person um, has that ability. Um, the other thing is he's, he majored in history. I, I I think that for us was really important. When you, I think when you study history, you have got to be interested in 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 reading. You have got to be interested in learning. Uh, it's a big, big part of our company, uh, reading and learning. And and I remember very well <laughs> when when John interviewed him, he called me and said, we have got to hire him. He did a blind tasting on him. And, and George, um, the first thing he said, this smells like ketchup. Now, who the hell would say in an interview <laughs> um, when, when it's about serious tasting, that smells like ketchup? That's for me, uh, that for all of us showed really. because uh, he didn't really want the job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's just goofing around. I, I, st- I stand by that tasting up, by the way. <laughs> I do think that beer smells like ketchup. <laughs> well, it's probably by Katsi. And, and, um, well, what, beer, what, what beer did taste like it, ketchup? It, well, it, it was a beer called Melchior, um, and it was a barley wine brewed with mustard seeds. And I think my brain sort of associated mustard with ketchup. <laughs> and then I just said, oh, ketchup. I got them confused. I'm not really sure, but... And so in one of the interviews, I asked George, so when you, when you moved to, to, to Scotland, and the first year you, you obviously lived in, in the dorm, the second year you moved out, what was your biggest challenge for, uh, when you moved out? And, and his answer was, for me, so down-to-earth but so realistic because that's exactly what I faced when I moved out of my parents' home and, and, and went to um, – to the university, he said, "Well, we had this apartment; was great, but we had no idea. We needed water. We need we needed power, uh, electricity, and and we had no clue how to do it. So you have got to call somebody and get that stuff going. And and I felt exactly the same way when I when, when I was like eighteen or nineteen and and moved to to a um, city in in Germany to to, to be, be, begin my studies. It's not about oh my god, I want to shake the world now. No, I have no water. I need to get water in this damn department, a compartment, and a phone. I mean, we didn't have cell phones at that time. You had got to get a phone going, and so it was really it was um, something that um, I, I knew his pretty much down to earth. All right, let's jump back. So one of one of the beers that I drank a lot of, and, and I used to buy a lot, was the Schneider Aventinas. Tell us about that beer. I mean, it's amazing. I, I remember celebrating the Oktoberfest after nine eleven with artists, and I drank eight of them, and it was the best day of my life. So 
How, tell us about the beer and what it means to you. It's it's one of the classics, um, and uh, it, it was um, launched by the Schneider Brewery in 1907. It was launched by the third generation by George Schneider the third. Actually, and that's the, for me the intriguing part. It was not George Schneider the third; um, it was his wife, George Schneider the third. Unfortunately, he only lived for a very short period of time, so his wife had to take over, and she had no clue about business. But she did a master a masterful job running the Schneider Brewery. And she had the guts in 1907 to launch an Aventinus, a V-double bog that was totally opposite to conventional think, uh, um, wisdom and thinking in Germany. Bog beers and double bogs had to be lagers. Aventinus is, is a, a top fermenting beer, um, doesn't fit name-wise into it. Uh, usually a box uh, and, and double bogs need to end um, have the ending OR um, and it didn't have that and usually um, bog beers are named after saints didn't have that either and there was an outcry in the industry people are dragged here I think to the, to, to the courts as well and she f- fought through all of it and launched it it's a wheat double bog uh, about 8% using the Schneider yeast exactly the same yeast that she, they use for Schneiderweise uh, primary fermentation, secondary fermentation and fast forward to today According to the head brewmaster of Schneider, Hans-Peter Drexler, it is the most complicated beer um, that they um, have a t- not a tough time, but it's a, a challenge to, 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 ke- to keep um, a great handle on the yeast. Aventinus is 8%, so it's, it's, a, it's a relatively high alcohol environment for the yeast. And the yeast is very, very active. It's uh, Schneider's proprietor yeast, and the yeast simply does whatever she wants to do no matter how 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 much um, instructions she receives from the brewmasters and sometimes every once in a while it doesn't really work and then the fermentation or so breaks down or so and and I get on the phone and I'm furious because we don't get the Aventinus that we need that, that we desperately need and Hans Peter Drexel tells me the yeast simply doesn't want we have got to wait until she is back. In, until we are back in in in, in her good um, spirits or so, and uh, it's a it's a it's it's it's. But it just shows me which is the beautiful thing about Aventinus. This is all life. This is this is not kind of a um, um, artificial or industrial beer. This is a true life beer with live yeast, live bacteria, live microbes that that simply. You cannot get hundred percent control over it. But I think it reflects in the incredible flavors and aromas of the beer. Now, how would you compare? It happens a lot in, in, in pubs and, and bottle shops. How would you compare uh, the Schneider Aventinus in bottle versus draft? Um, and I know I th- there's some challenges right, too. Right, yeah. but I, I think it's it's true for almost every single draft beer versus bottle beer. Draft, in our opinion, is is uh, Aventinus. I think is a great example. Um, um, is on draft much softer, uh, much creamier. Um, you perceive less CO2 than in the bottle. In the bottle, in my opinion, you, you have a much more aggressive CO2 on the tongue. Um, um, that's not the case on, on, the, on the draft version. The draft is, again, very, very creamy, very, 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 very much softer than um, the bottle version. has a lot to do with the size of the container. That's great. It's, it's, it's great to touch on these things. Uh, if, if, listeners, if you look back, last June we did a really great 
piece. We went up to Be United's compound in Connecticut, and they have a, a side project, OEC. Later tonight, we're going to Jimmy's Number 43 to try some of the beer distillates, including uh, the Aventina. So there's, there's so many great stories here. And, and, and Mateus, we appreciate your friendship. And we will have, we'll have many more stories with you. We want to jump in. Zach Kinney is our homebrewer. First, did you, you know you tried, you've made a Schlenkele Hellas uh, homebrew. Did you ever make an Aventinus homebrew? No, that's beyond me. It's, it's seriously, I mean, the, I mean it's exactly, exactly what you described. The, the, Hefevi, the Weizen yeast strain that um, is, creates all those amazing flavors. Um, currently in my, in my repertoire, I haven't, I haven't gone there yet. I feel I love the beer, um, but you combine that with the 8% environment and the homebrew challenges. Um, I'll stick to just drinking it. You know, it's okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and what's going on? We've got this uh, special homebrew. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot going on. Um, it's a brand new year, and um, this uh, we're we're rapidly approaching uh, homebrew alley, which is uh, now in its ninth year. This is homebrew alley nine, um, and uh, it's the, the the city's biggest homebrew competition. Um, this year, I think we're looking at about 700 entries uh, from across the city, state, and even beyond. Um, we have um, a deadline for entries. We still have a couple slots left. We've about 50 or 60 slots left. So if you want to still enter and you're listening, um, get your beers in. Visit homebrewalley.com. And uh, we've got some great prizes, great sponsors, people like Jimmy's Number 43, Alewife. We've, we've had people come from Syracuse to drop off beers. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, the 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 the, the competition, uh, you know, it's a great chance to get feedback on your brews. Um, again, there's great prizes. The the um, One of the winning beers will be brewed as a 15-barrel batch at Six Point. Um, kind of a really cool opportunity for, for homebrewer anywhere. So um, Who won last year? Because we had the six. It was called the Homebrew Pills. Yeah, there was a guy named six point. Peter. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his last name. He had an amazing Bohemian Pilsner, um, and he's got an amazing mustache. This guy's truly like a legend. You know, He's old-time, You know, probably in his 60s. And uh, it's been doing lagers forever and brewed this really killer Bohemian Pilsner that was you know on that Pilsner or Kel level of greatness so this is one of, this is one of the better homebrew competitions in the city and, yeah and it absolutely awesome. is and, you know, and i'd recommend you guys go go make a visit up to be united's compound in connecticut go to the oec cool. and check it out and Mateus, one last thing so about for homebrewers you have a special thing on monday what is sati you've got a, a, a someone from finland coming in it's like a whole nother type of uh, fermented beverage i would love to try sati yeah, Sadi is, is one of the really historic uh, beverages. Um, it historically and still mostly brewed, maybe only brewed in in, in Finland. And um, there is this wonderful, wonderful um, guy or person um, called Pekka, and he established his own brewery, Lamin Sadi, in 1985. Um, and in 1987, he started um, to 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 sell his Sadi. Now Sadi. Um, is an extraordinary beverage because it's so simplistic or not so simple yet so complicated. Um, it doesn't travel. Um, and the reason for that is quite um, the following. You... Um, you do you do not boil. It, when you brew sardi, there is no boil. So all the bacteria, all the microbes that you bring in through your malt um, are still alive. Um, then you lower you lower the the the, the word over over tunable um, branches that brings in obviously a ton of wonderful tunable um, flavors and aromas, but it brings in even more bacteria in there. You do not use any hops, you do not use any um, 
beer ale yeast you use actually baker's yeast and we just received today uh, via, via over, overnight mail um, his uh, original finish uh, baker's yeast chunks of, of yeast or so which which is fantastic I just got for Michael we were desperately looking for that original juniper branches that we need for Monday and and at, and Pekka is coming um, he's uh, will arrive on Wednesday night and he, he will be with us on, on, on Monday we will brew his original sardi at OAC in, in Oxford following the original recipe the original uh, ingredients um, and and um, Ben um, who owns OEC is already in full panic mode because somebody after the Lord Ring he has to climb into the into his mesh tun in, into his Lord Ring tun and and somebody has to to clean it um, um, get rid of all the 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 juniper branches and twigs that are in there. So if if they don't boil it, is this called cold brewing? No, it's not really. That's not. Fu- isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> it's. Um, it's it's obviously uh, now not cold brewing, but um, it's uh, the fermentation itself um, will last about three days, um, and then it will be cold matured for about ten days. Um, the liquid has got to stay below thirty four, thirty five degrees Fahrenheit at at any at every at any time at every time at every moment in time. Otherwise, uh, if it gets over thirty five degrees, it will activate all the the, the millions of bacteria and um, microbes in it. Um, the idea is that um, um, Union Beer will send one of their reefer trucks up there as soon as it's um, uh, ke- uh, ready uh, to go. Um, will um, ship down the kegs. Will drop it directly at the accounts at the on premise accounts that are uh, interested in participating, and they uh, they promise us that uh, they will tap it the same night or the following night. However, it has got to be in their cold box 100% um, uh, along the way. Right away. Well, that's brilliant. And we'll be up there, and it's really exciting. So, hey, this has been a great show. Unfortunately, we have to cut it off. Um, Give a quick shout-out. New York City Beer Week is coming up. Check out our big event, uh, New York City Brewer's Choice, on February 24th. And a lot more going on, NewYorkCityBeerWeek.com. And our good friends, you know, January 23rd is Charlie Papazin's birthday. You know, and he, he... Years ago, we had an uh, officially named National Pie Day, and our good friends at Bitter and Esters are hosting something on, on this Friday night, January 23rd, in his honor. It's, it's a pie and a homebrew event, so uh, Bitter and Esters is always doing something. But we, we've had some great great guests on the show last year. Charles Papazian's on. Mateus is the second time we're doing a show. So we love what we're doing. We love HeritageRadioNetwork.org, and just check, it out, check us out. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors, who've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Matthias, Justin, Michael, and Zach for joining me here, and George, too, on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, our engineer, Jack Inslee, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.